friends, welcome to Aromatic Chat, the podcast that introduces you to registered, clinical, and certified aromatherapists around the world. Every other week, I sit down with a different aromatherapist to learn about their aromatic journey and how they use essential oils in their lives and their businesses. Aromatic Chat is produced by Lemon Balm Coaching, and I am your host, Melissa, your master transformational coach and registered aromatherapist. Welcome to podcast episode number 62, Aromatic Chat with Deb Atterby. Y'all, Deb has been involved in aromatherapy for over five decades. Five decades! She is an amazing aromatherapist in Australia. She publishes a journal and offers a very unique Australian aromatherapy course. I am so glad that I was able to sit down with Deb and hear all about everything she's doing in the Aussie aromatherapy world. And you'll be glad you tuned in today. So let's get started. Thank you so much, Deb, for joining me today on Aromatic Chat. I was taking a look at your website and I'm, wow, it's not what I expected. You know, most of the time when I talk to people, I'm expecting to see like what their products are that they're selling. When I say products, I mean their essential oils, their blends, their inhalers and things like that. Oh my word, you're not selling those types of products, you're selling a totally different type of product. And I love what you're doing because Australia is like, it's not the home of aromatherapy, but boy, it's a whole lot more homey than the United States. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it is. And then thank you very much, Melissa, for inviting me to chat as well. Um, yeah, we're just shifting out of one of our websites, which we had with the Aromatherapy Today journal and moving into the Aromatherapy Today education. So that's very important because educating is one of my prime things that I believe in and have been doing for the last 30 years. So talking about aromatherapy and, and what we do in Australia. So I have something a little bit more unique, I suppose you're right, you know, absolutely concentrating fully within the aromatherapy for Australian scope. So talking about a lot of our First Nation people, looking at that, and that's the reason for uh, the book that I have written and the education that we have set up for that. We can talk about that a bit later as well. But the big thing is I try to put my Aromatherapy Today journal out three times a year. And I do look and research a lot for farmers and growers in Australia, and I try and project it within that 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 area so people get to learn a little bit more about Australia because we have so much to offer. People have never really really delved into that at all. At all, at all. That's amazing. And we're definitely going to talk about the book. But the first thing that I love to ask all of my guests is how in the world did you end up here? Like, what is the journey that brought you to this space of writing that book and starting the education portion of the website? A lot of people know a lot about me these days. I mean, I've been in the industry for a very, very long time. I started back in the 70s and one of my first books, which is just sitting up there at the moment, was Robert Tisserand's, and that was actually one of my textbooks, and and it was the old hard copy, so that was really lovely. And not only did I do the aromatherapy side of it, I actually started as a herbalist. So Dennis Stewart was who actually trained me in, in herbal medicine, and I also did remedial massage. But the actual aromatherapy side really took me I I really got a burning in the belly for that one so um yeah that's where I was with it and um yeah I've just continued to bring it into growth put it into my clinic clinical practice and you know utilized all the modalities and put all those modalities together and work with them 
you became interested in aromatherapy in the 1970s. Mm, that's correct. So was aromatherapy really common in Australia at that time? Because it was not in the U.S. It really didn't get its growth coming until the 80s, late 80s. And it was the late 70s that I started to study herbal medicine and remedial massage. But there was always that sort of small component of essential oils. And, you know, we we gathered a lot of information. And I think that it really took, it. I don't know, it just took precedence over a lot of other things. And I, I, I've always had such a um, busy mind. So my imagination was that, okay, what am I going to do? I'm going to be this therapist that brings all these things in together. And, and that's how it grew. And I just, I researched, I looked a lot, uh, in the essential oils that we actually did. I worked with them with my massage therapy and, you know, I, I put a lot of those things within my clinical practice because as those days I was full on clinical practice because, Mm -hmm. you know, I was young and, you know, trying to make money and, you know, pay a house off and look after children. So it was all, all a bit and bit put together. Yeah. So, yeah. And then come around about the late eighties, early nineties, um, aromatherapy really did start to blossom a lot more. I felt maybe Mm -hmm. that might've just been me, maybe other people saw it differently, but that's how I saw it. I know that it wasn't even really mentioned much in the United States until the early nineties. Um, that's when people started doing correspondence courses to, Mm. to learn about essential oils and how to use them, but they were still very fringe, even in the 1990s. I would love to hear about kind of the evolution. If you, if you know the evolution of aromatherapy in Australia, because it's, it's like I said, it's so much more at home in Australia, I believe than it is in the U S. Do you know, Melissa, we reached a pinnacle in Australia where we were actually at the top of the top of the range there. We really did work hard. So I can only really give you my story. I mean, I don't know whether my story is as complete as it could be. There are other people that have probably done a lot more in other areas of it. I don't know. But for me, the growth was like I fell in love with the aromatherapy world. And very briefly, I used a lot of that when my first husband was passing away and we were, we worked with it with relaxation and all of that. And I always had this burning that I wanted to be able to know more about it, especially the medical side. So I set my goals ahead and headed off to France. And of course I did start that um, just late 19, early twenties, it was somewhere in that, that capacity. And, and I worked really, really hard and, you know, saving a dime to get over to France from Australia is a really big, a big, big thing. So I took one of those group tour things and I thought, well, if I'm going to like it, that'll be me. I'll, I'll take that on. And I just absolutely fell in love. And so when I went there, I decided that I wanted to be the first person in Australia to bring aromatic medicine. That was my goal, right? And as usual, if I make a make a decision in my life I'm very stubborn I make sure it works and it has to happen you know we fall we fall but we got to get back up on it but anyway I did that and um, then I had Rhiannon at that time come Rhiannon and her first partner come over to Australia and I just went, no, nah, this is for me. I've got to do this. I, I just have to do this because I'd already developed uh, the Diploma of Aromatherapy with a company that I'd worked for with nearly 20 years and 
we this was before aromatherapy became a government approved course and it integrated all of the massage and it integrated all of my herbal medicine and product formulation and chemistry which there was nothing like that really at that time in Australia and we had many different companies buy it and and it, and it did very well and that then gave me even more tenacity to keep moving forward and and I suppose that was then I just tried to save everything I possibly could to get back over and I did that and then I bought the International Journal of Aromatherapy and my quest was to be that person for Australia, be there for Australia and bring that growth. So I started bringing people from all different countries to Australia, yep, taking them to all the different states in Australia. And, yeah, and we just grow from there and continue to do the journal. And then a lady came along and asked me if I was interested in she had an RTO that really wasn't, it was just the RTO. It needed a bit of a pick. So we, I joined with her, we got the aromatic medicine approved through the government, which then became an advanced diploma of aromatic medicine, and we hit the top of the world. It was right exactly where my wishes were to be. But sadly, in Australia, we've come back down right under many more countries now because mm-hmm. the government had uh, squashed the the actual advanced diploma of aromatic medicine. They put it into what we call skill sets. The, the whole concept of being able to claim for it through your medical providers, it took it, or the government took it all away. And by 2019, it was all gone. It was just left as a skill set. And so it, it kind of in my heart, it lost a lot of its credibility. But I've still hung on and, and very continue to do conferences to, to, re, to reopen that door for Australia. I'm not sure what my next step in my mind says I'm going to do, but we're trying everything we possibly can to, I don't want to say reinvent the wheel, but put the wheel back on the cart. I just felt that they didn't see that there was any uh, capacity for work out there for people who mm. who did aromatic medicine. And that, that, that plays a big part in education in Australia. Education in Australia is very... It's been, you know, it's followed through very well with the government. There's a lot of very good things that come out of our education through Australia, but there's a lot of things that sort of put backups against us as well. This happened also with the chiropractic industry as well. They they were sort of shut down there for a while and then they put the wheels back on the cart and they kept going. And, you know, I do think that this has to be done, but for aromatic medicine, it needs to, the game needs to be lifted. It needs to come into a university degree and and then it can be seen. Because really and truly, if they were going to look at it, there is already a lot of research out there. There's a lot of proven points, isn't there? It's just whether it's going to be able to be put into a practice and the modality is going to work within the industry. That's that's the thing. That's what Mm. they look at. Mm. That's very interesting. So it's very different from the way the U.S. works. So it's very interesting to hear all of that. Thank you for sharing. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. I appreciate that. Oh, it is. Yeah. Very interesting. It is. And I'm I'm always interested in how the the things work in in the USA. It's it's and I look at all of it. I I like to see what's happening in every country. I mean, I look at Europe and I I look at um France and you know the amazing work that Rianne and Lewis is doing. I mean, Mm -hmm. 
it just bubbles over there. It just bubbles all over the place. Everybody's there. You know, it's it's a tough world down here. It's we're on our own down here. And you know, it's tough to keep going and going and going. And even though we're a big country, you know, it's it's not like we had hundreds of people behind us. You know, we only had really a handful of people and and you know, it's I don't know. It's hard, it's hard, Yaka, to try and keep it going. And I think it's different. It's different for us in the United States because aromatherapy is so readily available everywhere you look, there's something claiming to be aromatherapy, right? There's essential oils everywhere, whether they're adulterated or not is that's, you know, no one seems to care so much. And then you have the people who've gone to school, who've taken the time, who've gotten their educations, gotten their registrations. Yeah. And they feel alone as well. You know, they feel very alone doing this thing that they love, but people not taking them seriously. It's very hard to get, I'm not quite sure why it's been so hard to get people to see aromatherapy as a valid, very valid. I don't understand either. Yeah. And I do think though, with the way things are happening, where um, we're able to now start to bring in those other concepts, those other modalities. Like now we can see that once upon a time, aromatherapists were aromatherapists and perfumers were perfumerists and, and you know, whatever. And, right. and they all had these little doorways that you had to cross in and, you know, just as long as you got on with someone, then you could cross over the pathway. But today the herbalists are, uh, you know, are together and we we walk side by side and and even the perfumers, they want to be part of the aromatherapy industry. And I think that that part of that growth is really, really important to us. And I think that we can actually see that happening. We can feel that happening, not a lot so much in Australia, but you can see it throughout Europe and you can see it throughout even the United States. Even though we have our multi-level marketing companies, I mean, I, I wish that they would come along and be educated by me. That would be fab. I'd love that. And so would millions yes. of other people. But there is sometimes we have to take our hat off and say, well, it has still kept that industry travelling when we've gone through the bumps yes. in the road. Can I be yes. that? No, they have, they have the finances, they have the ability to keep going when things get rough. You know, as a solo practitioner, it's a little bit harder to keep that momentum, but yeah, they've totally been able to do that. I agree. And it is a lot to do with money. It's all to do with business management. And, and you know, little people find it a lot harder. And if you were to look at a company and to look at um, the individual people who are the professional um, aromatic medicine practitioners or the professional clinical aromatherapist, we may not have the abundance to be able to pull it where it has to. It's just a shame that we couldn't get that part crossing into this part now and, you know, taking on and saying, okay, well, there's there's a course here for you for the kitchen person and there's the course here for the workplace and there's the course here that is run for the ones who want to be the professionals and each individual thing, you know, it would be fabulous and they would then be able to learn a little bit more about that, that the very important parts, and this is something that Sandra and I do a lot of in our diploma of clinical aromatherapy. We talk a lot about that drug interaction. We talk a lot about the safety issues. And, and these are things that are very, very important. Anybody that touches an oil should be able to understand that dosage and all that sort of stuff. But 
how do we bring that together? Yes, we finally got the herbalist and we've got remedial massage therapists on board and we've got all of that, but how do we get those outside companies to realise that this is where the world should be in the aromatherapy industry? Hey, friends, we'll get back to this episode with Deb Atterby in just a minute. Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday to me. Tomorrow is my birthday, and I want to celebrate that with you, my listener. For the month of November 2022, I'm offering my listeners a podcast incentive of two additional coaching sessions, a $560 value when you sign up for life coaching with me. Inside this coaching container, we figure out what it is that you really want in your life, what is standing in your way, and then we work together to overcome those challenges so that you can have the life of your dreams. The first step to securing these additional coaching sessions is to schedule your complimentary discovery call. Head over to lemonbalmcoaching.com and enter the word podcast into the comments box when you schedule your complimentary discovery call to secure your extra coaching sessions when you sign up for life coaching with me. That's lemonbalmcoaching.com to schedule your complimentary discovery call now. Back to the show. Remedial massage therapists on board and we've got all of that. But how do we get those outside companies to realise that this is where the world should be in the aromatherapy industry? A a common language? I think we can do it. Yep, gap it. And if you could do that, look at the abundance of people that um, do that sort of work. You know, you get a free gift, you've got beautiful product you've got you know what I mean and it's yes. it's the concept is amazing but we just got to get that other side and and pull together and and have something that's going to be even more dynamic but how do we cross that bridge I don't know I mean right. you know you're young now so you're the one that should be doing this <laughs> I don't think I'm that much younger than you Deb just saying just <laughs> all saying. right well you don't you haven't obviously had a rough life <laughs> a good oh. one. I drink a lot of water. That's what I always tell people. I drink a lot of water. A lot. Okay. Well, I'll give it to the water then. (laughs) Your water in your country must be better than my water. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Okay. So you've brought up your book and your course a couple of times. I would love to go ahead and just talk about those for a moment. Sure. I'm not too sure whether you've actually have one of the books. I'm not sure. I don't have it. I looked Uh, and I went, oh, I have to get that. I have to get that. Okay. Yes. So. Basically, what happened there is that around a time of where things were going downhill with the aromatherapy in such with the government and taking the the actual aromatic medicine off scope and putting it into a smaller area of study, I, I kind of affected a lot because I felt that I I was able to reach the pinnacle that I was always after. And, you know, I know I'd done a lot of writing throughout the years with the journal. And so I thought, oh my gosh, what I'm, you know, I've got to, my mind needs to work. I'm not a person who can, I'm just, I'm just a person who needs to go all the time. I thought, well, you know what, now COVID's coming. I thought, well, now what am I going to do? And then everything started to roll in its own capacity of people closing down, businesses not working, one thing or another. So I thought, okay, well, every day, set the clock, four o'clock in the morning, get up and start writing, start researching, ring the people you know, look at the people who you've talked to, keep your mind active. And that's why I sat down and I did seven days a week. And I reckon for the two and a half years I spent, I may have had, 
maybe occasionally I would have a weekend where I went, I'm not going to do the book. And, you know, it wasn't just about writing or getting past stuff together or whatever it was. It was also about really getting to the farmers, really trying my way over to get to the farmers because that's a difficult thing Um, because most people who are growers, they don't, you know, they don't just grow for essential oils, they grow for the food industry and people don't want you to find out what's going on. They don't like you to know about all their farms. It took me a long time to gather what I had and, of course, each essential oil that I revisited to rewrite about, it might take me just one week to sit there with that one particular oil and, you know, absorb it and smell it and write what I felt about it and then took two and a half years but putting all the rest of the things that I had written and pre-wrote, probably four and a half years to write the book. What is the title of the book? Australian Essential Oil Profiles and what it actually holds, it's not only just um, the Australian native oils, it's also where I have gone to the farmers that do the common essential oils. So instead of working with, say, say your lavenders or your lavender augustifolia or whatever you want to put in there, um, I would go to Tasmania or I'd go to Victoria and I'd go there where they grew that. So it's the same with your your peppermints or your spearmints. And we have a wonderful woman um, who's down in Victoria who does the most beautiful Rosa Damascena. So, you know, mm-hmm. I go in there and they're the sort of things that, that this book covers, all that type of stuff. There's all sorts of part of the herbal medicine that I worked with where I um, have brought in extracts, but a lot of the extracts may be tinctures that I have produced over the years. But I also have brought in extracts of fennel flour and I've brought in things like waratah or kakadu plum and I actually use them in the development of my products that I work with in the clinical mm. situation. There's carrier oils, Australian carrier oils, there's herbs, there's clinical practice in here and all of the essential oils that we use with it. But at the end of it, there is also the course that we wrote for this particular book. And earlier on, you mentioned something about the Native peoples as well. in your uh, About our First Nation it, people? Yeah, as it relates to the book. So we're very, very lucky. We have a, a wonderful First Nation lady who is actually our guide. So she took the book and she read it all to make sure that it was right. She has a PhD. She's a doctrine of her work within the um, First Nation people. And also with that, I went around to many different parts of Australia and spoke to lots of different areas with the Aboriginal people of that area and talked about the the foods and how they worked with their bush tucker and how they worked with it as uh, bush medicine. And I'm also involved with a society of bush tucker people. And so I do a lot of that sort of stuff so that I learn a lot more about it is, and I get involved with the, the actual people of the land of that area. So mm. that's how I've learnt over the years about what I do. And how can people get the book if they are interested? I know okay. there's lots of people so I know that already have the book, but what about my listeners who might not? <laughs> okay, so you can actually just go straight on to aromatherapytodayeducation.com.au and they'll guide you right through there. It's the same as if people were interested in doing our course. So um, we had a few little hold-ups in the beginning of the year as Sadly, Sandra's lost her partner this year and it was very, very difficult and we were going through floods. So we've had a very 
slow beginning for the actual course. We've had to actually hold it back a bit and we've readjusted things a little bit in costing because a lot of people in Australia were hit very hard with the actual floods. So finances, we thought, well, let's let's start at a nice, easy cost and let people be able to do it as they wish to do it. It's online, but what Sandra and I are going to be doing is um, being able to organise maybe once every month or every six weeks, get online and talk to the students about what they need and what we can help them and even do it within the actual um, dispensary itself. So, we, you know, if there's a problem there, they can price send it and then we'll get in there and we'll start working with it. So actually work with them. We'll be back after a quick break. Hey friends, if you're an aromatherapist, here's something really important that you may not have been taught in aromatherapy school. Connecting with other professional aromatherapists is really important to the health of your practice. Why? Because our brains are designed for connection. Connection, team, clan, tribe, core group, no matter what you call it, it's about survival. When you are isolated, it's easy to become discouraged and feel like nothing you're doing really matters. But when you're connected, and part of a larger group focused on the same goal, you're energized, and maybe you even feel invincible. Well, coming up September 26th through 28th, you have a chance to be a part of a community of aromatherapists at the Aromatics in Action International Conference, Embracing and Composing Sustainable Aromatics in Nashville, Tennessee, USA, brought to you by the Alliance of International Aromatherapists. The AIA is bringing together industry leaders and educators, as well as exhibitors, at their first post-pandemic in-person conference. There will also be on-demand sessions to add more learning opportunities and continuing education. I invite you to visit alliance-aromatherapist.org and sign up today. That's alliance-aromatherapist.org or visit the link in the show notes and sign up today to join the AIA and be a part of the tribe. Very beautiful. And what what is the course? Is it just a uh, built around the book itself, the oils? Yes, yeah, absolutely. It's okay. a course that no one in any part of the world has. So it's talking about things like it's it has aromatic medicine in it, that, that safety side. There are a lot of essential oils that you can actually work through the food industry. So I work with that in certain capsulations. We're using things instead of maybe slippery elm, we might be looking at things like gumby gumby. We might be looking at, uh, you know, the bunya pine. We'd be looking at common muting different types of things. We work with uh, a lot of our extracts. So I I use a lot of Australian extracts like your flannel flower for certain uh, particular ailments that we may be working on. We've got the kakadu plum. We go through all of those things. And most of that's in the book, but it's not what the course delivers. So we show you how to get those things, what to do with them. Uh, We'll be talking about, we'll be getting quite involved with different things with, you know, female issues and we'll be talking about how to make suppositories and pestries for certain areas and how do we use a certain essential oil or don't we use that essential oil for it we work on respiratory problems we do everything but everything is encapsulated with the australian native or plant or essential oil now is this a course that aromatherapists could take for continuing education Absolutely. The ongoing professional development is right up there on the top of it. And they do receive a beautiful certificate. Once it's totally completed, there's like a 
16 different courses within the whole part of it, um, but they can do them at their own speed, their own pace. But we do, we like to see them go down the track. It's much easier to learn it that way. And, you know, if they take three months to do one of the units and that's fine. We do have a little bit of, you know, questioning and answering of it to make sure that we understand that they are completely understood of the, all those safety issues and dosage and things like that. It's it's really a home-paced thing. We were, we actually did put it out, first of all, as a one, one-off full course, but then we saw that that could be difficult for financially for people at this present time through the world with COVID and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So would this be a course that somebody who just is, they they just love essential oils, not necessarily that they're an aromatherapist, but would this be a course that anyone could take? Personally, on my belief, I do suggest that if they had least done some sort of understanding or something, I do ask for a little bit of background. That's great. So you have the book, you have the course, but you also do something else that's pretty big and you just did it recently. You also do a conference down in Australia. 2005, I started bringing people to Australia. And then um, I suppose a little bit of seeing how wonderful the botanical went, I thought we've got to bring back conferences for Australia because nothing was happening in Australia. And, you know, sadly, it's it's been a little bit quite down under. So, um, yeah, put the conference together and now it's been going for some years, but um, it is biannual and we we have got the next one coming up in 223. Um, again, it may have to be one of the virtual and then we're hoping that the one after that will be a hybrid so we can do both. But I think just because we were sort of the, the last to get the ricochet off from the COVID, we may be sort of the last to come out of face-to-face. So that's how I'm looking at it. But, yeah, we run that conference. So, um, yeah, very excited. Um, yeah, it, we love it. We really, really enjoy it. So it's all sorts of good things happening in there. That's great. You are doing so many amazing things. I can't believe you've been doing this since the 1970s. That's amazing to me. Um, That's working. Don't forget not all of this other stuff's come over the last, you know, over the last 15 years, not so much the last, those many other years. It's a process. It's a process. We all grow, we all shift, we all change and our focuses change and our visions change. And like you said, you're the visionary. You're the person that's looking ahead and saying that's what's next which means to me that you're you have that inspiring personality type my son has that I'm very blessed as well Melissa because you know I don't have everything in there I don't have it all but I have got a wonderful team I have an amazing team you know Mm -hmm. I've got the social media side which is done by Yana and I have Lucy who maintains all of that area of getting the journal in and out and I've got Sandra for the tech but we all come together and we've got people who do a little bit of the book work Saskia is over here so what we do is we come together as a team and these girls you know okay I I think seven steps ahead of everybody and I probably drive them more mental but you know that's what gets us where we're going and then we just fulfill and we keep putting the gaps in and you know it's teamwork. It's not just me. Absolutely. But there has to be somebody thinking seven steps ahead. And that's you. That's the visionary. And we need those people in our lives. But I'm curious, who is that person for you? Who is that person? You you look at them and you go, that's, that's what I want. Because I've been in the industry for so many years, I, I look at other people and go, 
well, you know, they inspire me or you inspire me. I think what I do is I see everybody for who they or what they give. So I take a bit of that inspiration from each and every person. There isn't one person that I could really and honestly say that is the one person I'm going to be like. You know, like I know some people go, I want to be just like her or just like him. Well, I don't see that because I see different things that I love about that person and I say, well, I love that that they do and I feel that that's a really positive thing that I can give to us. So a little bit of from a lot, does that, does that kind of answer that question? Absolutely, a little bit from a lot. So what are you working on right now that's got you really excited? A, a case study that I've been doing for some time now with our new essential oil called the mango myrtle, which has just come out not that long ago. I'm working on that particular one with the spearmint, the, the uh, beautiful mentha spicata, which is actually grown in down in Tasmania and another area of Victoria. And I'm working with that on um, anxiety and depression. I actually did a little bit of that at Botanica and spoke a little bit about certain things I work with. I've also been working a lot on issues with external hemorrhoids. So, you know, I'm mm. working with the the beautiful blue cypress, the Australian blue cypress as well. So, you know, moving different products of Australia and working with different formats of formulation and, you know, put them all out there and see who who works with them and getting lots of good results from both areas of what I'm working with that. That's great. And I just want to say, I think that's, I think that's great. Here you are, however many years into this journey, and you're still doing case studies. You're yeah. still figuring it out because I think yeah. a lot of times just in general, not just for aromatherapists, but just in general, we think, oh, great. I got my degree. Now I'm, I'm done. And that's not the case. We, we're always learning. We're always progressing. We're always shifting. We're always changing. And we're always going back and yeah. figuring things out again. I love that you're still doing case studies. I think that's really important in my my thoughts as, as an aromatherapist for growth. As we close, I like to offer the floor just to you one more time if there's anything that you would like to share. I think about all the different little sayings that you, you come across these days and some of them are um, it is what it is and it is what it at, you know, these type of things that people say. And so I put a couple of little words together and I, and I believe that, you know, life is a funny thing and, you know, it is what it is because that's one of those sayings and uh, you get what you're given. That's another saying. But I suppose if we could look at those two concepts, it is what it is, uh, you get what you're given. But maybe what we should understand is that we should actually grow from those words and look at life and be happy for what we have and fill it because we've only got it for a short time. Thank you so much. No, thank you, Melissa. I really, really appreciate you asking me along. And I know you have a free gift for my listeners, and I'll definitely include the link in the show notes for them to receive that. Thank you so much. Oh, so welcome. appreciated. Oh, I love everything that you're doing down in Australia. I'm definitely going to pick up that book as soon as I can, and uh, maybe even the course. Mm. <laughs> that would be fabulous. I'd love you to do that. You could enjoy oh, that pretty much. Thank you so much, Deb. It is what it is. How many times have you heard someone say this phrase when they're looking at a situation that leaves them wanting? I know I've said it before when things aren't going the way that I thought they would, but I'm curious if we could reframe this phrase into something that's more positive. What if you look at the situation in front of you and ask yourself the question, in light of what's just happened, what would I like? 
Like, suppose you received some devastating news. Instead of hanging your head, giving up, and saying, it is what it is, you look at the situation and ask, what do I want? Maybe, just maybe, that would change your focus enough to be able to ask yourself, now that I know what I want, what is important about that? Maybe, and I'm not saying it is, but just maybe shifting slightly and uncovering the value inside of your desire could shift it is what it is to it is what it is, and then find the beauty within that. Deb's final words today encouraged me to not just rest on the pithy phrase, but allow it to instruct me and change me. Being able to reframe something that is discouraging to something that is encouraging is actually one of my superpowers. My virtual assistant calls me the master reframer. And my clients have experienced the ability to see things in a new light after working with me as their transformational coach. Aromatic Chat is produced by Lemon Balm Coaching, and you can connect with me, your master transformational coach and registered aromatherapist on the web at lemonbalmcoaching.com. Be sure to check out the show notes for all of the links associated with today's episode, including a link to experience transformational coaching. I would love to read your review of Aromatic Chat. And you can leave that review on Apple Podcast or Podchaser or at buymeacoffee.com slash aromatic chat. Your review makes it possible for new listeners to find the show and connect with the aromatherapist that meets their needs. I will see you next time with our next episode. Until then, peace, love, and aromatics. Hey friends, I want to introduce you to Blend Precisely the software business toolkit for aromatherapists, herbalists, and formulators. When I first started out as a practitioner, I used spreadsheets, Word documents, my calculator, all of my safety books, and that was before I ever opened up a single bottle of essential oil to create a blend. Seriously, it took at least 20 to 30 minutes for every single blend that I made for my clients or my family. Whether you're a seasoned practitioner or you're just starting out, Blend Precisely will take the guessing out of the safety issues and let you focus on creating beautiful blends with ease. No more using multiple different programs to get your blends ready to go safely and effectively. Everything is calculated for you inside Blend Precisely. Dilution, percentages, chakras, perfumery notes, pricing, milliliters, ounces, grams, and more. Blend Precisely incorporates Tisserand's safety information so you never have a question again. There's no more guessing. One toolkit for everything. The best part about Blend Precisely is that it's not just a program that you sign up to use and then have no support. There is constant support from the creators Katrin and Seth Burkholz. They have videos every week on their Facebook page, YouTube channel, and they even have a Facebook group for members of their community. I want you to know that Blend Precisely has a 14-day free trial. I suggest that you sign up for the trial, pull out some of your favorite blends, and input them into the program and see what happens. Maybe even create a few new ones. Maybe even create some stock blends. And see how Blend Precisely can support you in your aromatic life and business. I'm sharing with you my affiliate link to try out Blend Precisely risk-free for 14 days. Just click on the link to check out the software business toolkit for aromatherapists, herbalists, and formulators. And then use this toolkit to blend precisely.